Restoring Place Church, the church of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center, is a place where we make disciples of Christ, teach and train them to live as children of God, and to thrive in who He created them to be. We believe that this is the best time on earth to be alive, to experience the end-time harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. Get ready to be renewed, recharged, and restored to go out and take the gospel to your world. Let's join our service already in progress. Well, today, I never get up here. I pray I never get up here and just share information. I take it really, really serious every time I get to share the word that it's something that's real to me and that I've lived and I'm speaking from experience I believe many of us are entering into a time of the narrow path. Anybody feel that? Anybody feel like, ooh, things are getting a little tighter? Gosh, the Lord's kind of, he's holding me a little bit more accountable than he was. Anybody else, or is it just me? Much like a baby that's about to be born enters that birth canal. It's a tight place. It's a place of constriction. Not a lot of wiggle room. That's where I feel you and I are. Am I hearing what I'm hearing? (laughs) I'm just starting. (laughs) That's not a good sign. (laughs) Bless his heart. He's, you know what, it's okay. Just let him be. So many of us are pregnant with vision. Many of us are pregnant with promise. God's given you a promise. He's given you a vision, and we're pregnant. But many of us have to go through the process to birth that. What I'm going to talk about is not a popular subject. In fact, in some circles, it's a dirty word. We're going to talk about process. Everybody say process. Do you know Jesus went through process? Think about that. The son of God, he goes in the temple. He's confounding even the religious leaders. He knew more than they did. And yet he submitted himself to them. It says he grew in favor with God and man. He grew in stature. (laughs) And even when he was baptized, that is a little distracting. (laughs) Even when he was baptized, what happened? He came out of the waters and the spirit of God descended on him. And it says right away he was led into the wilderness by the devil. Does it say that? No. By the Lord. The Holy Spirit. It says he, some translations say he was driven doesn't sound like he had much of a choice. It was like the Holy Spirit led him into a place of testing and a place of we call the wilderness. So right before a woman gives birth, now guys, you're going to have to take my word on this, but women, you can attest to this. There's a very, very important time called transition. Ooh, baby. It is not an easy time. 
It is a painful time. It's a time where you want to give up. It's a time where you are exhausted. It's like, I can't do it. But it's necessary because that's where the baby's in the birth canal and that's where it's about to happen. I'm going to tell you something funny. I, I was so excited when I got pregnant with our first. We didn't want any children. We were just going to live. Yeah, we didn't. But then all of a sudden, God dropped this desire in my heart to, to be a mom. And so we got pregnant right away. It really was the Lord. And I was so excited, so looking forward to it until I had my tour of the hospital. And I saw the delivery room. <laughs> and, and Kelly wasn't with me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to do this. Like, can we stop? I was terrified. It's like you get to a point, it's like it, there's no turning back. So right before a woman gives birth, it's very, very intense. And here's something very interesting. You have to do what they tell you to do. You have to listen to the midwife. You have to listen to the nurse. Because not only is it detrimental to you, it could result in a stillbirth. That's the reality. You have to listen to the Lord. We're pregnant with vision. We're pregnant with promise. We're pregnant and we're about to be full term, but we have to listen to the Lord in that place of transition. Do you know when you're about to give birth? Now, I'm just going to get real, guys. Just hang tight. Your body, your natural instinct is to push. Guess what? They say, how, how many can, don't push, don't push, don't push. And you're like, what do you mean don't push? I just want this thing out. And they're like, no. We have to listen to the Lord. We're full. We're pregnant. We're like nine months plus full of promise, full of destiny, full of vision. And we're about to give birth and the Lord says, don't push. And you go, your mind begins to reel. That's that place many of us are in. That place of transition where we have to step back and go, okay, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to listen. God wants to carry us full term. But many of us don't end up delivering because we will not submit to the process. This is key, as Jamie would say. This is key. I have lived this. I have seen others go through it. And I've seen others not go through it. I believe only those who are willing to submit to the process will give birth to their promise. Daniel 7. I love this scene. This just fascinates me. The book of Daniel Chapter 7, I'm not going to pull it up, but it talks about a scene in heaven, and it's actually the courtroom of heaven. And it says all the people are assembling, and the judge comes in, which is Father God, and then they open the books, plural, books. We know there's the, 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 the book of life is your name written in the book, but this is books. Do you know there's books in heaven? Yes. 
with our names on them. There's scrolls in heaven with our names on it. Way before we were even born, those books were written. This blows my mind when I think about it. Because God is outside of time. He already saw that I'd be standing here today and every single one of you would be in the room. He saw it before any of us were born. Why? Because it was in the books. James, can you bring up um, Psalm 139? So there's a library in heaven, and books are written with all the intricate details of our life that God has fashioned. I tell, I, I don't know, half the time I feel like I'm on a treasure hunt with God. I call them breadcrumbs. It's like when you begin walking with the Holy Spirit and you begin to seek God, he will take you on the most wildest adventure. The Christian life is meant to be exciting. It is when you're walking with God because he will take you and he'll lead you. And you go, oh my gosh, only God could have orchestrated that. And he did. And it says in Psalm 139, it says, you saw speaking of God, who you created me to be before I became me. Before I became me. Before you became you. Each one of us has a DNA in the physical that's only ours. But it's the same in the spirit. Each one of us has a spiritual DNA. No one else is like us. That's why it's so important for each one of us to fulfill what God's written in the books. Because, you know, I used to think, well, if I don't do it, it's just me. No, I'm cheating someone else by not fulfilling what's written in my book. You're cheating someone else by not fulfilling what's written in the book. All the spiritual gifts that God has endowed us with aren't for us. They're for other people. And that takes our eyes off ourselves. We think, oh, you know, I'm just going to be humble. We are cheating the world. Even our voice has a sound signature that's unlike anybody else's. Song of Solomon, the Lord says, let me hear your voice because it's lovely. Because there's no other voice like my calls. Think about that. When we begin to feel insignificant, we feel, oh, I'm just, you know. No, nobody has your voice. Nobody has your fingerprint. Nobody has the DNA that's put God's put on the inside of you. We have a destiny to fulfill. So only those willing to go through the process. So you saw me and created me before I became me. Ephesians 1.11 says much the same. It says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. We are his inheritance. Before we were born, he gave us our destiny. Again, that speaks to those heavenly books. Before we were even, they say, a twinkle in your father's eye. God already saw our destiny because he saw who we would become and then he starts working back from the beginning. If you look at your life today, it's not who you're going to become. Where you finish is not where you started. Thank God. (laughs) 
We're a work in progress. So before we were even born, he gave us our destiny that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes everything, or excuse me, every purpose and plan in his heart. And then one more scripture, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, anytime you start talking about predestined and all this, you start, you know, they've got those arguments. Well, am I just a pawn on a chessboard? No, we have been born with free will. Amen. We have a choice. We have a choice whether we are going to say, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. Or, like Frank Sinatra, I'm going to do it my way. We have a choice. It's pretty sobering. I think the Christians, I mean, we're not going to go through the judgment of heaven and hell, but I do believe we're going to be judged by our works. The word says so. And I believe we're going to be judged. He's going to open our books. How much of what we did on this earth was serving self? I'm preaching to me. How much aligned with the destiny that he had mapped out for us? It says he's going to wipe away every tear. I think it's because we're going to be Lord. I think we're going to see what could have been. I know in my life I have missed opportunities and not stepped through doors that were really up to the Lord because I wanted to do my thing. Thank God for his mercy. And thank God that he can redeem the years that the canker worm has eaten and the bad choices that we've made. The thing is, we can't... I think it was Joyce Myers said, you can't possibly think that you are bigger than God, that he didn't factor in your stupidity. I mean, that's just putting it really plain. And I'm so grateful for that because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I'm pretty self-willed. I'm learning to yield more and more the longer I walk with him. French Canadian girl here. I'm pretty feisty. And the Lord's had to bend me. The Lord's had to break me. He's had to, I think probably I've gone through process more than most because of my self-will and my rebellious ways. And I don't want to do that, God. I want to serve you on my terms. Yikes. You know what it really boils down to? Are we willing to lay down our lives and see Jesus get his full reward? That just breaks my heart when I think about it. His full reward. He gave us everything. Do you know it's almost like signing up for the army? You sign away your life. When you say, yes, Lord, I want to live for you, here it is. I give you my all. Do you know that he takes us serious? And this is where he begins the process. All right, so we have a free will, and we must choose God's path for our lives. So I want to look at 
a couple of people that were pregnant with promise. How many, first of all, how many can say, I'm pregnant with a promise. I'm pregnant with a vision. I'm pregnant with a prophetic word. I'm pregnant with a destiny. All right, let's look at a couple of people. Let's look at the life of Abraham. My goodness. Talk about process. Abraham was given the promise of an heir from his own body. He was to be the father of all nations. Sometimes God will call you to something that's so outlandish, so so out of reach in the natural, only God could bring it to pass. Pastor Noble always says, if your vision, if your destiny or what God has put in your heart is not scaring you, it's probably not God. Because if we could accomplish it, it's probably not God. So here's Abraham. We all know this story. He was old. I'm not going to get graphic, but he was old. (laughs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It took a creative miracle to fulfill this promise. And we're not going to go through all the scriptures, but you know the story. He said, okay, God. And in fact, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. So every time he heard his name being called, what was he hearing? Father of many nations. He was hearing his destiny. He was hearing what God had called him. Yes, he was fully persuaded. He looked at his own body and it even says he reckoned it as dead, but he said he was fully persuaded because he wasn't looking at his limitations. He was looking at the promise of God. All right, we're going to look at Joseph. Poor Joseph. He had a dream, didn't he? He had several dreams. Those dreams got him in trouble. (laughs) Do you know there's a lesson in that? Do you know that we are not to disclose some of the things that the Lord has showed us? There are things where I have not uttered to a soul, not even my husband. Like Mary, she pondered them in her heart. She kept them hidden. She said, okay, God, it's you or it's not going to happen. Sometimes we, we get excited and we share, oh, God, show me this. And only to find out that your friend is not as excited for you. That happens a lot. Or we show our cards, don't we? The enemy is not all-knowing. Sometimes we get in trouble because we just blab too much. We don't need to tell him what's going on. I think he gets a glimpse of our destinies, and that's why he fights us so much. You can look at a life that has a significant call, and all through their childhood, up to wherever they are today, it's been nothing but attack after attack after They've triumphed. They've walked through in victory. But it's because the enemy goes, I've seen a glimpse of who they may become. I've got to stop this. The enemy wants us to miscarry our destinies. He wants us to not see it to fruition. So that's just a little thing. 
you don't have to disclose everything. Be very careful who you share with because not everybody is going to cheer you on. I've learned that the hard way. So we look at Joseph. He had dreams about being in a place of authority over his family, over his siblings, even over his father. Those were God dreams. There are times where God will speak to us in the night. He'll give us a vision. He'll give us a dream. And it's so powerful, you know it's from God. I encourage you, get a journal. Write it down. I have dreams that I've dreamt years prior that I've gone back and I go, oh my gosh, it's, it's happening now. And why does God do that? Sometimes if you're like me, my mind is going 90 miles an hour. I'm great at multitasking, but sometimes I don't get still enough to really hear. But when I'm asleep, he's got a captive audience, but it says he will speak to us and instruct us in the night season. Pay attention to your dreams. Not every dream is of God. It might be your pizza you ate the night before or some crazy thing you watched on TV. But discern it against the word. You will know when it's a God dream. There is something so powerful that it'll resonate and you'll almost go, oh my gosh, there's something to this. I don't understand it yet, but there's something to it. Pay attention to it. Write it down. Pray over it. And as you do, the Lord will bring more and more revelation. So Joseph, we all know the story of Joseph. He ends up thrown in a pit. Then he gets into Potiphar's house, and God's favor, there's again a glimpse of the calling, the giftings, the things that God is pulling forth. And he gets put in a place of authority. But then again, the enemy, or so we would think, comes to try and thwart that. Be very careful when you're walking towards the path that God has for you, not to interpret everything as the enemy. That's the word process. It's part of the process. Remember, that place of transition is painful. It's like, I just want to give up. I'm exhausted. I can't go through this. Can we not do this? Process. Where am I? So Joseph, and then you know he got thrown into Potiphar's wife, you know, wrongly accused him. I can't think of anyone that's in ministry or has a call on their life or even just a Christian who hasn't been hurt by somebody in authority, hurt by the church. It's part of the process. Do you realize that? It's part of the process. God is processing you and I. I could tell you stories. And I look back and I go, where did I go wrong? Nowhere. It was my process. So poor Joseph's in prison. And you know the story about the interpretation of dreams. God had gifted him with divine interpretation, divine wisdom. He knew how to just speak and discern And he says to the baker and the butler, don't forget me. He got them released. Well, one died, but we know the story. Well, guess what? As soon as he got out, he forgot about Joseph. And it was another two years. Process. 
You could think, well, how cruel. It wasn't time to push. It was part of the process. We've got to be so discerning. When we receive a prophetic promise given to us by God, we become pregnant, don't we? Just like Mary, the the Holy Spirit overshadows us, and we're pregnant with promise. We're pregnant with a vision. We're pregnant with a prophetic word. That's why intimacy with the Lord is so important. Do you know you can't get pregnant by shaking hands? I mean, we're adults here. It takes intimacy, doesn't it? It takes intimacy with the Lord in the secret place to be able to carry his seed of promise in your life. If we don't get into that place of intimacy, that's where all ministry, that's where all fruit is conceived. It's from him. But just like Mary, we have to say, okay, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Do you know the Lord has said some things to me and I was like, what? Uh, no, thank you. I told you, I'm a tough case. I don't want to do that. No, thank you. And my husband says, have you prayed about it? And I just want to throw something. <laughs> time after time, I have more times than I would like to admit, said, I am not doing that. Have you prayed about it? And then it's just a sinking, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do this. (sighs) (laughs) But just like Mary, we're overshadowed. How many want to be overshadowed? I do. I want to live under his shadow. In that secret place where we're hidden, tucked away with him, when we hear his voice. That's so powerful. That's real. And when you've encountered that, nobody can take that away. Nothing compares. So, we've received a word. We've got a prophetic word. We've got a a promise from God. And how many of us think, man, it's going to happen soon? Not. (laughs) Because God is working his process. Yes. There is a process, a germination period that must take place before it becomes reality. A time and a process where God is refining us. I told you this wasn't a popular word. But it's encouraging because then we can go, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. This is actually God at work. So a process, what is a process? A process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. So God has a series of actions or steps you and I must go through before we walk in all that he's ordained for us. That baby's in the birth canal. You got to get in position. But then there's a process. So the process of God in our lives 
is when the words, the promises that pertain to our, our destinies, things he's shown us, are tested. And in scripture it says, in the process of time. I have prophetic words that I know with every fiber of my being are from the throne. I haven't seen them yet, but I'm going to. As the years continue, my focus is getting more defined. It's getting more keen. I'm seeing clearer. I'm getting more in line with what God is doing in my life. I don't buck against the, the, the guardrails as much. I'm starting to submit. It's the process of time. Let's look at Abraham. He got a promise. Abe, you're now going to be called Abraham, father of many nations. Well, guess what? Some time went by. He looked at his wife. She was old too. So he said, well, I'm going to help God. We know the story. The process of time. This is where many of us fail. But we go, well, I know I'm called to the nations. I'm just going to get me a business card, a website, and I'm going to hit the road. Process of time. It was another 15 years before the promise was birthed. It took 25 years. Now think about that. Any of you had a word 25 years ago that hasn't come true? I have. But I know it's God. And I am going through the process. Because during the test of time, what still remains is God. It really is. After the dust settles, so to speak, what remains is truly God. Because it's, what is it? It's past the test of time. Joseph, over 20 years before his dreams, and when it finally came to pla- excuse me, pass, he remembered them. Wow. He looked and saw his brothers bowing before him, his wow. father. The fulfillment, because he had passed the, the test of time. We can't be in a hurry. You know, I was teaching ladies Bible study the other week, and we were talking about just the revelation of the names of, is that 1150? Oh my gosh. Okay. So sorry. Sorry. I better hurry up. (laughs) The revelation of God's names. We think, we read the Bible, especially the book of Acts. Oh my gosh, what a church that was. Boom, 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 boom. Well, do you know there were 10 years between chapters? There was the process of time. The names of God, we think, oh man, we got all these names set out. We know who he is. There was one name between the revelation of this name and the next name, 200 years had passed. And we go, oh my gosh. And we're in such a hurry. God has a process. Time. David was 15 years after being anointed king. Well, guess what? If I'd been anointed king, I would have gone home and said, Dad, I'm done. Here's my, my shepherd's rod and my apron. I'm going to the palace. What did he do? He went back out to the sheep because there was a process of time. All right. 
when a long period of time goes by, what happens? We're tempted to discard the promise and think, oh, it must not have been God. Or worse, pull an Abraham. We try and make it happen, right? We try and make it happen. All right. We need to be like the sons of Issachar. There's There's a group of a tribe. The sons of Issachar were known all through Israel, they were known for their ability to discern the times. To look at a situation and go, I know exactly what needs to happen. And they did it. And every time they were right. They could look at the sky. They could go, oh, almost like an almanac. They could discern the times. I'm going to give you a life example. I was in a service once, and this young man stood up. He was probably 30 part of an international ministry. And he was leading a school of ministry. And I remember looking at him, and I promise you, this wasn't arrogance. This wasn't self-ambition. What's that word? Yeah. Thank you. Selfish ambition. But I looked at him, and in my heart, I said, I'm going to do that one day. I just saw it. Do you know how you just see something? It's like you don't think you're all that in a bag of chips, but it's just something God drops into your heart, and you know it to be true. Well, do you know two weeks later, I was approached by a minister that we were connected with, international ministry, and he asked me to lead his online school. I went, oh, yeah, (laughs) because I'd seen it. I saw And as soon as I said yes, God said, it wasn't God. And I had to email the man back very humbly and feeling a little foolish because in my spirit, I was like, nope, this isn't God. You know, when you make a decision and it's like, oh boy, what did I do? I couldn't wait to email him back. Now, my mind is raging because it's like, I saw it. God, you showed me this. This is my destiny. Praise God, I'm going to the nations. No. I was trying to push when God's saying, don't push. Don't push. Not time. I promise you I wouldn't be here if I had done that. It may not have been disastrous, but you know what? I don't care if I preach to five people at King's Kitchen for the rest of my life. I promise you, I want to be where I'm supposed to be. That's where you and I are going to get our reward. Do you know that the person that preaches faithfully to a little versus the person who speaks in stadiums, if they're being faithful to the call of God in their life, we both get the same reward? That's all I want. All right. So the process of time. Then there's the process of death to the vision. Kelly's smiling because this is our life. This is what we've lived. Death to the vision. Oftentimes, John 12, 24 says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will produce much. There are so many t- stories I could tell you. Oftentimes we go through death in the very vision that God has called us to fulfill. 
There's a, years and years ago, I was part of a ministry in Fort Mill called Morningstar. I'm sure you've heard of it. I'd already been to Bible college in my early 20s, but God showed me to go to their school of ministry. I think it was the second year that they started. And they, they used to dub it as the killing fields of Morningstar. And you think, well, what in the world does that mean? Because that's where you went to die. It didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you were a, a, a crusade preacher. It didn't matter if you were a pastor. It didn't matter if you were an evangelist with miracle signs and wonders flowing. You were going to sit your butt in the chair and you were going to submit to the process that God was going to take you through. Oh, that's good. That's good. It was a place where I was weaned off of man because I had to dig my own well. It was part of my process. Then I went on to another ministry years later, and probably about 2016, been in ministry for years. The Lord spoke to me and said, want you to help this ministry and be their online pastor for their school. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't need to intern. I knew more than the guy leading it. That's not arrogance, it's just truth. But it was part of my process. Went through that. And every intern would speak in the school. I have to be careful because I don't want anybody to hear this. <laughs> they won't hear this. Every person that was an intern spoke at the school. 20-year-olds that had never spoken. I wasn't allowed to speak. That was my process. I was like, are you kidding? Why? Nope, you're not teaching. And I had to watch as 20-year-olds taught stuff they had no clue about. It was my process. And God took me year after year through this process until, you know what? I didn't care about ministry anymore. I just wanted him. I just wanted him. I just want Jesus. And I think even though God has put greatness on the inside of us, he's put vision, he's put destiny, it can never take the place of him. So, Abraham... He went through the process of death, the very promise, Isaac. The Lord says, I want you to offer him. What in the world? God, you, you gave me this son, and now you're telling me to offer him as a sacrifice. We know the story. It didn't go through, but he was willing to lay it down. I was on staff at a really well-known, again, international ministry in Fort Mill, and God said, I want you to go over here to a church plant with a group of 15 people. My mind went, tilt. I'm involved in an international ministry here. I've got great influence. And God's pointing over here to this little obscure group. I lost friends over this. Because it wasn't time to push. 
I had to follow the process. It was a death. It was a death. It's not the only time God said, okay, walk away. And you think, Lord, I'm doing, I'm doing what you've called me to do. It's part of the process. It's part of the refining. God is more concerned whether or not the image of his son is reflected in our lives than what we do. He's not impressed with our gifts. He gave them to us. That's why that scripture in Matthew is so scary to me because it says, Lord, didn't I do this? And didn't I do that? And didn't I do that? Prophesy in your name. And he said, go away. I don't even know you. Because gifting is different than intimacy. There's an anointing that abides on gifting. He gives you an anointing to minister, but that's different than intimacy. Joseph was thrown in, in jail. That was definitely looked like a death to his vision, didn't it? He probably thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be next. I'm going to be beheaded. Just like the baker. Was it the baker? I believe so, yeah. Lazarus, Jesus waited until he was dead. It's like, Jesus, if you had just been here a little bit earlier, God waits for things in our lives to die so that then he can resurrect them. Then he resurrects them at the appointed time. Do you know how many due dates, baby due dates have been missed? Because it wasn't the appointed time. Because in the books of heaven, nope, this baby's due here, but they're going to be born here. All these saints experience death to their promise. And then I want to talk about the process of hiddenness. This is a hard one. I think before I die, I'm going to write a book called Help, I Think I'm Invisible. (laughs) Have you ever felt invisible? I have. To the point that Kelly and I laugh because we'll go in a restaurant. Four people come in after us. They all get served and we're like, are we invisible? And now we just say, yes, we're invisible. Why? It's part of my process. I have been promised positions, called into senior pastor's offices where they say, we're going to do this, this, and this. And then only watch a month later and they give it to a son-in-law. Wow. And I've had to just step back and go, okay, God. And you go into that hidden place. Do you know Jesus, when he performed miracles, he said, don't tell anybody. There's a test of hiddenness. Unfortunately, we're in a, in a generation of selfies and all we do... Ministry has now become a photo op. What about being content to be hidden? To do the things in, in secret, God said he'll reward you openly. I read a book by Anna Roundtree, and I want to give her credit for this. I hope I'm not going to get in trouble 
sharing this, and I'm, I'm not quoting her directly, but she had an encounter with the Lord where the Lord presented her with these beautiful slippers. And she's like, oh, Lord, they're the most beautiful, fiery slippers. And he cautioned her, and he said, Anna, be very careful in your decision to put these on. Not many have been willing to wear these. And she said, why? Because they're putting on slippers of hiddenness. That has always stayed with me. Now, obviously, I'm standing on a platform. It doesn't mean you won't be in front of people, but it's a posture of your heart. Are we out there going, oh, look at me. Man, God's really moving. And it's good to give God glory. But what is the motive? Is it to make me look important? Is it to promote our ministry here? The process of being hidden. Are we okay with that? We go into a place of hiddenness and we're like, pick me, pick me. And we're jumping up and down. Or are we content to just be out on the backfield like David with the sheep and allow God to come looking for you and to call you forth. Last one is the process of pruning. This is not an easy, they're not, any of them are easy, easy are they? Oh, John 15, 1 and 2, it says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus talking. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch, doesn't say some of them, or only the rebellious ones. But it says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Now, I'll be honest, pruning doesn't make sense to me. You're bearing fruit. Why would God start clipping? Why would he get the shears out? I know if you've, you've heard this story before, if you've come to King's Kitchen, I tell this a lot. I love hydrangeas. They're my favorite. And we lived in this house for 15 years, and I would always get the whole backside of the house covered in hydrangeas. Well, one fall, Kelly thought it would be a good idea to prune them. Do you know by the time they were done, they were probably this tall and just bare sticks? I was horrified. Number one, he didn't prune them at the right time of the year. All my blooms were gone in a, pe a big pile. I was like, well, I wasn't too happy. <laughs> I was like, what did you do? I was so angry. I said, you're going to buy me new plants next spring and we're going to plant them. Do you know next spring came along? There was not one bloom. I was so mad. The following year, we had such a bumper crop. I was giving away hydrangeas to every person I met. I couldn't clip them fast enough because it was like an abundance. That's what God does to us. When he begins to cut away things that we think are fruitful. Oh God, this, this is going so good. Why would you cut this back? If you will submit to the process, what's going to happen? He's going to make you more fruitful than you could even imagine. Oh, wow. There have been years in my life, not days, not months, years where it looked like, well, look at her now. Guess what? God had pruned me. And to man, it looked like I was maybe going backward. 
But I was getting ready for promotion because I was submitting to the process. So the process of pruning. The word pruning can also translate as cleansed. So he's cleansing us with the word. The word will prune you, you know. It's for correction. It's for encouragement. You read the word and sometimes you think like you just got to been taken out to the woodshed. He cleanses us by his word. I've gone through this pruning more times than I want to admit. I told you I was very rebellious. (laughs) And guess what? We're going to go through all this process until Jesus comes back. If our desire is to bear his image. So many anointed and gifted ministers are not willing to submit to the process. And they end up miscarrying. They actually crash and burn. I have known personally young ministers, oh my gosh, gifted, prophetic people, gifted, but they didn't have the character to withstand the gift. It's not about gifts. It's about being who God has created us to be. There was a guy we were listening to last week. He was sharing a testimony. Very, very powerful, powerful pastor. He's in his 30s. Very prophetic. He'd have miracles in his meetings. He would have people getting set free from drugs and alcohol. And John Paul Jackson, who's in heaven now, very, very well-known prophetic father in the faith. They were in the green room, and he said to this young man, I'm not impressed by your gifts. Well, the man had, the young man had some choice words to say to him too. <laughs> and he said something to him. He said, where are you going to be in five years? Because he'd seen too many crash and burn. Because they weren't willing to go through process. Oh gosh, I don't have time to finish this. Then God takes us to the place where we step into what he's called us and the promise. I'm going to just leave you with this. The good news is you can't be pregnant forever. It's a known fact. (laughs) You might be overdue and have to be induced, but you can't be pregnant forever. God will bring it to fruition. He will bring it to pass. It says, though the the vision tarry, just wait, because it's coming. He's faithful. He's not going to bring us to the point of delivery, Isaiah says, and then not bring you to delivery. I said that double, didn't I? Sorry, you knew what I meant. He's not going to disappoint us. If he's appointed us, he's not going to disappoint us. You hear that? Disappoint. We think disappointment, but no. He's not going to disappoint us or undo. says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. That's why our character is so important. Because there's too many gifted ministers that get up and they wow us with how the power of God moves in their services. And then they go back and they snort cocaine. I know that sounds like, how is that even possible? They have a gift. God chooses to move in their lives because of the people 
Because the people are hungry. The people's faith is there. That's why we have to be pure vessels. Pure vessels. Willing to go through the process. Willing to allow him to turn up the heat in our lives. Just like a a silversmith, what do they do? They turn up the heat and they melt down all the, 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 the metal for all the impurities to come to the top so that they can skim it off. And then they do it again. And before it, the process is over, there's no impurities left. All that's left is a pure gold. So God takes us through process. He's refining us. If you've been benched, if you have a dream, if God's spoken, but yet nothing's happening, that's okay. You're going through process. Allow him to open the doors. You know what the problem is? If I begin to push and just like that guy calling me up and says, oh, here, I want you to do this. It wasn't my time. It wasn't the season. It wasn't the appointed thing for me to do. If I'd stepped into that, I would have been out of sync with what God had. God is for us. It's all him. But we have to be willing to walk with him. Not ahead, not lagging behind. It's all Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Don't start feeling like, well, I got to do something. I got to get my five-year plan. I'm not talking. There's nothing negative about planning. But we have to walk with the Lord. We have to follow him. And where your mind goes tilt and goes, this can't be God. Just lean in a little bit and be willing to deviate. And he's going to bring you to full fruition to everything he's called you to do. And it's going to be fruitful. His presence is going to be on it. So though the vision tarry, yet it will come. So Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for your long-suffering that you are so patient. I thank you that you are the vine dresser. We are the branches. And God, you are so faithful to prune us, to correct us, to process us. Lord, I thank you for mature saints that are willing to say, God, If you don't go with me, I'm not going. And to only move when you say move. Lord, we want to be so sensitive to your timing, to your leading, that just like the children of Israel, when they saw the cloud begin to lift, they began tearing down camp. God, give us a heart to follow hard after you. A steadfast heart, God. 
thank you for each one of my brothers and sisters, those watching online. Wherever we are in the process, God, just like Bonnie said, that we would lock eyes with you face to face and just follow you, Jesus. Just like with the fishermen, you said, come, follow with me. And so, Lord, we say yes. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. What an amazing morning it's been. Wow. Pastor Noble and Miss Karen will be back next week. They are, I believe, celebrating another grandbaby's birthday. So we will have them back. But again, please, please, please go back, put your name on that list. And that will be next Sunday after service. And uh, we just bless you. We pray your God's provision over every area of your life and peace. And we will see you here next week. Amen. Thank you again for being our guest here on The Voice of Healing. When you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, join us for our 10 a.m. Sunday morning service. Our website, restoringplace.org, has all the details on how to find us. While you're on our site, check out ways you can volunteer at the Dream Center. Need someone to answer questions about us or to pray with you 24-7? Call our prayer line at 704-904-9025.